So we're starting with Romans 8, verse 1. And I'm going to let you read, Susan, verses 1 through 8. Okay. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer followed our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God, It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. You must have a paraphrase. NLT. NLT? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a paraphrase if you ask me. It used to be the New Living Bible paraphrase, and now it's the translation. But that still is very paraphrastic. Um, and the reason I say that is because the word power that they use there is really law. Um, let's see, where's the... Oh, the, at the very the beginning? Law, yeah, the, in verse 2, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Uh, let's see, down here it says, yep, Greek, the law. It yeah. tells me down at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and what I think Paul is really trying to deal with is that the law is descriptive in nature. It describes how things work. So it is cause and effect. It is not... It, to give you an example, in natural law, we have the law of gravity, this descriptive law. That's... You call that descriptive, you said? I call it descriptive. Natural and descriptive? It's not... In, natural, in, in terms of an actual nature law, it's natural law. Mm-hmm. But in terms of broader canopy, of concluding moral law... Is descriptive okay. because it describes how things work, okay. as opposed to prescriptive, which prescribes how you must behave. Oh, okay. 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 So um, I see this as talking in terms of descriptive law, and there's two kinds. There's the law of, of the spirit, mm-hmm. which if you imbibe in the spirit, you you uh, are grafted into the vine of Jesus, and and you receive nourishment from the vine, and you grow and produce fruit. That's the law of the spirit. The law of sin and death is you you uh, defy the law of the descriptive law of love, and you the consequences are you sin and you die. But it's it's natural consequence. It's it's um, it's it operates very much like natural law. Because mm-hmm. if you're not connected to the vine, you right, die. you die. So, what do you see in here that either raises a question or an observation? Well, I don't, 
I don't know if it has to do with this in particular or if it's something that I feel like I got a, an, some kind of understanding of and you know how you read everything through an, a new understanding of something mm-hmm. um, where it says he, verse 4 he did this so that the just requirement how does it say it there of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. What did, verse are you in? Uh, verse 4. Like he did the sacrifice for the so that the just requirement of the law... I have just satisfied. requirement of the law. Okay, all right. Uh, the just requirement is just because there's only... that's Love is the only way to run the universe. Mm-hmm. The, without love, we die. Without love, there's only chaos right. and selfishness and... and all of the things that we were talking about in terms of economics. Right, right. Because um, something that I that I kind of got an aha about was I was I was listening to the story of Les Mis at Ob, uh, by mm-hmm. Victor Hugo, right? I think yeah. Um, and it hit me that. Javert, the one who was pursuing the law person, was pursuing <laughs> um, Jean Valjean, that he could not handle being forgiven and grace, that he ended up dying, killing him, you know. He, the law had to be satisfied, and death was the only satisfaction it could have, and so he had, somebody had to die, so Javert takes his own life. Yeah, there's, there's but, yeah, like he couldn't handle the idea of grace. And forgiveness. And I was like, does that mean forgiveness is bigger even than sacrifice? Uh-huh. You know, than, than what Jesus well, did for I mean, I don't know. But, but well, I was it, just like, oh. you know, if we because get away. what Jesus did was because of what Satan required. If we get away right? from the penal substitutionary model of the atonement and just put that aside. Jesus didn't die so, so that a reluctant father could forgive us. No. God is the forgiver. According right. to Exodus 34, 6 and 7, he is the one who forgives. It's participial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nothing has to make God forgive. Right. The reason, the reason Jesus' death was necessary for forgiveness is actually under the law. Uh, Hebrews. But isn't it more because Satan was like... I require death. Actually, sin leads to death, regardless of who requires it. It's not required. It's, it's, just, it's simply the cause, the, the effect. And the, and the reason Jesus' death is important is because how else would we know throughout eternity sin leads to death? Only if God took that on himself would it be clear. If we died, it wouldn't be clear that God hadn't executed us. Oh, sure. So only if God takes it on is it clear, unequivocal, the sin leads to death, not God. Right. And, of course, Satan demands his crown of frust. His justice is extreme. Right. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Right, right. So every sin, in fact, Ellen White says that Satan maintained, every sin must have its punishment. Mm -hmm. But she says he has an extreme view of justice. But that was I, out of harmony with God's love. I, yeah, I find it interesting that you said that how Javert had to die to fulfill the law. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he... I, I'm reading the book now because I had to read it after listening. <laughs> you know, I was like, does that mean... 
I'm curious if he went through that process or if he just wasn't able to accept. He wasn't able to accept. It, like he, he just couldn't um, comprehend that there's something beyond. Felt, Jean Valjean completely baffled him. Right. Because according to French understanding of law, there, there could be no transformation. A criminal could not be redeemed. Right. They were like they were scum. Dust. Yeah, they were. They were scum. Yeah. So criminals should be worked to death yeah. or killed outright. And because Jean Valjean, because of that kindness of the priest, right. because he no longer was a criminal, he had totally rehabbed, mm -hmm. you might say, mm -hmm. and, and integrated into society because and was a very kind and love and because of the love <laughs> of the priest. Yeah. It totally was outside this French perception yeah. that Javert had. Mm -hmm. And so he became a stalker, a really mm -hmm. very criminal person. Himself. <laughs> Himself. <laughs> yes. Uh, stalking Jean Valjean. Right. Uh, and then when, they, when he finally, Jean Valjean realizes he's trapped and if he's going to save his family, he has to go and face Javert. Right. Uh, he and Javert faces him off. He can't kill him. Mm -hmm. The power of love is too great. Yeah. And he can't kill him. Mm -hmm. And so he has to kill himself. It's, it's a very interesting commentary to me on the ultimate consequences of believing a penal substitutionary model, mm -hmm. which is really the closest thing to which... Um, Javert had. I mean, his 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 view of the atonement was was really not penal substitution. It was appeasement, because that's the Roman Catholic view. Mm. And and even though this was the French Revolution mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. um, and they were against the Roman Catholics, they were still had that embedded that's in their right. DNA, mm -hmm. spiritual DNA. Uh, so appeasement was the only thing they understood. Satisfaction to the law was probably close to what they understood. And that's what Jean, uh, Javert does, mm -hmm. is pay that satisfaction to the law. But what he does is set Jean Valjean free. And, and maybe, maybe Hugo was trying to show the atonement in that. But it's, it's a fallacy because Javert himself is sinful. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, uh, he doesn't portray Christ. Mm -hmm. This is not, no, no, this no, is no, not, not the, the true picture of the atonement. No. So maybe what he's actually doing is, is taking that, that down and saying that this, this picture of the atonement is what has caused the whole thing with the Roman Catholic Church that brought about the French Revolution. Hmm. Because in the great controversy, Ellen White, when she talks about the French Revolution, she blames the Catholic Church for it. Oh, really? That it was a picture of God, that they, mm. they the, their persecution of, of heretics, their, their burning people at the stake, their punitive ways, and their picture of God that lay behind that, mm. that led to the French Revolution. Mm. And that the the people who were so, in the French Revolution, who were so bitter and, and so hateful and so rising up against the Catholics and other people 
uh, and killing them wantonly. We're acting out the religion of the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it's a truism that even if you leave your abuser, you still act yes, like him. Yes, yes, yeah. I have that example in my own family. My great-grandfather was terribly abusive. He, had, he became an atheist. Actually, back in those days, they called them infidels. Oh, okay. And he belonged to an infidel club. Mm-hmm. And he was bitterly opposed to Christianity. And it didn't make him a kinder person. It made him abusive. Mm-hmm. So he carried with him the abuses of the Methodist church that he grew up in mm-hmm. and their tendency to preach hellfire and damnation over and over again. He grew up, he he reproduced that in his character even though he had rejected the religion. Right. Thankfully it has a better ending than that. Yeah. He read, his, he read the Bible finally and discovered that God wasn't all hellfire and damnation. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it also let me see as the idea of forgiveness is 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 big is big <laughs> you know i mean i already know it's big but i kind of like you know again saw it, forgiveness and love being that the person that's being forgiven there needs to be a response to that and if there, we can't if, accept if the person it, and if is, we can't, and I'm when that's again, the Holy Spirit has to do that for us because right, because right. we can't accept, we can't, because we think that we need to be punished for this or that or or. But I did wrong, and we get stuck there. Mm-hmm. And so, well, even it feels that's a gift. It, it actually we're so guilt ridden. It feels, yeah. the, and this is the law. What is it, the law of where you you have something powerful in a glass jar? And unless you have something equally powerful on the outside of that jar, the jar will break. Mm. Hmm. It will implode. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're like that in our bodies, right? You know, if our mental we're in such mental agony, we feel the need of something equal to that externally, physically against right. our bodies, which I think right. is one of the reasons why cutting is becoming so popular among t- mm-hmm. adolescents. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. a way to to Control the inner inner pain right. by external pain. Right. So mm. so we crave that. Yeah. But love, but and, and part of that is we're not humble enough to accept it. We have to fix it ourselves. Right. Because it's the most humbling thing is to realize there's nothing I can do to fix this. There's nothing I can do to undo what I did. I can only make it worse. All I can do is accept the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It leaves it's a us, letting go. It's, it's, it's a letting go. It's a leaving us in a feeling very vulnerable and weak state. Right. And that's why people like Javert yeah. can't handle it. Right. It's good that you brought that up. I used to show that movie in um, the 1998 version. really uh, highlights that. Does it? Mm-hmm. Um, I used to show that movie to my honors class hmm. many years ago. Yeah. And of course it fascinates me, the person who wrote it to be able to make the, make the story and, and deal with these issues. 
in quite an amazing way. Yeah, very perceptive. So, like, and right there, well, in my version it says, so letting, letting the spirit, on verse 6, control your minds. You know, the whole thing of letting, mm-hmm. allowing mm-hmm. to be controlled by the spirit. Because there there's control happening. I don't know if that's the same word you use in yours, but... No, but um, mine's pretty, pretty close to the Greek. I think. See, what he, Paul doesn't say here, but he says elsewhere is when we're when our minds are set on the flesh, or yours has the nat, what is it the dominated by the sinful nature. Sinful nature. Yeah. When our minds are set on our sinful nature, our sinful nature is a tyrant that conclo- controls us. And that's the thing we're so used to is that we're so used to the spirit of force and the spirit of making things work and the spirit of doing it myself and pulling myself up by my own bootstraps. We're so used to those those modalities that when we come to the spirit of love, spirit of life, it's about responding to love and responding to trustworthiness with trust mm-hmm. and and being set free. I, I, we, we like... Wait a minute, where's the wheel? I need control. Right. I even love the way God made our bodies to the way they make how how they work. When we eat something, our bodies takes what it needs and then it comes out. And it's this um like let's say I eat something I'm not supposed to kind of thing, it's not healthy. And I feel kind of guilty and bad or whatever about it. I have to remind myself, okay, so I messed up. But my body's going to take care of it. It's actually going to digest or and then, and then take out what's not necessary or whatever. And it gives me another chance. Like mm-hmm. this whole thing of like, it, it's, it's like grace in itself. Mm-hmm. Like I have another chance to make decisions again tomorrow. And it's mm-hmm. not going to be the end of the world. You know, I'm not talking about addictions and all this yeah, stuff. I'm yeah, just talking about yeah. just my daily. I, I, it's easy to go to addictions because yeah. that's where you get helpless. You can't. You don't have tomorrow because you you're not gonna you're gonna mess up tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, with an addiction. Yeah, but if I just think of like just my daily mm-hmm. thing, like okay, so I can make a better choice, but I'm going to be able to choose it again tomorrow and. And even my body's allowing me to do that. It, our bodies take a lot of, a lot of, uh, what do you call it, uh, abuse. <laughs> you know, yeah, they do. <laughs> but even the way he made us, in other words, like you know, the the need for sleep, to rejuvenate, you know, to rest. That's where I mess up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I. <laughs> I uh... But he made us that way. Is what I'm saying. He did make our bodies a way that is always grace, always like giving us another chance and again. I don't know if that's a perfect metaphor. I don't think it's a perfect metaphor, but at the same time, it, I, I I I think that a lot. It's like, okay, Lord, help me to accept your grace again. <laughs> yeah. So, how about this part? What do you think about? Um, where it says in nine, oh, we're not a nine yet. <laughs> I'm going beyond. Yeah, and I'm I'm hesitant. We have twelve minutes yeah, left, yeah, so I'm hesitant no. to um, go beyond this. Letting the spirit control. 
because, you know, right there when it says, but letting the Spirit control your minds leads to life and peace. Because right away my mind goes to, okay, well, how do I let the Spirit? How do I allow that to happen? Like, what does it mean to let the Spirit? Uh, I mean, I, always... I think it means to believe the love of God, to let ourselves rest in that love, and to ask for the Spirit. And, and, and believing that the and believing Spirit, that the Spirit is, is going to do His work in me. That's going back to what we talked about at the beginning. It's like this whole thing of it's slow, it's time, it's allowing, mm-hmm. it's not producing. Mm-hmm. It's not like we have to do this. So I have to believe the, that the it's Spirit not in the, It's not in the um, industrial age of production. It's not. But that's all my mind knows. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's very anti-culture. It's very anti-nature. That too. You know, I you think you go to the ant. <laughs> the ant does what it does because it's an ant. Mm-hmm. It doesn't think about how much I'm going to accomplish at the end of the day. And ants don't take tallies of and assess what they did. Well, they have the benefit of not having a frontal lobe. You know what I'm saying? I feel like we struggle with that. We do. Well, our frontal lobes get overworked, and so they get hyper-managerial. Because <sighs> <laughs> I think God gives us the frontal lobe to have the relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. That's why it's there. Everything, we think about what we're going to do in heaven. We don't have weeds to pull. We don't have, we don't have uh, wealth to hoard. We, yeah. we have all our needs met. Everything is free. We don't pay for anything. Right. Uh, what are we going to do with all that time? Right. Well, we're going to have gardens in the new earth, mm-hmm. uh, but no weeds to pull. So it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be just creative, nurturing, exercise. Like this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what would we do with all that time? Well, it's about right. relationships. It is. It's like the thing we avoid with our texting yeah. in our social media. I'm the summer my project one of my projects is to create a class called Holistic Living. It's now mandated of all freshmen. Sounds wonderful already by the title. <laughs> it's built on the institutional SLOs, the student learning outcomes of PUC. And the student learning outcomes of PUC spell wisdom. And wisdom... As far as it's an acronym? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Wisdom stands for wholeness, uh, integrity, stewardship and, and service, mm. diversity, um, our Adventist heritage, and maintaining lifelong learning. Oh, how beautiful. We're probably not going to do the last one. It's a little difficult to teach that. Yeah. But um, we are going to be doing the other parts of the acronyms. So for wholeness, we're getting really into nature and nature therapy and forest bathing and, and all these things mm-hmm. that are now becoming vogue in our culture mm-hmm. and in other cultures as well. And all of our requirements are going to be tailored to these things so that there's a lot of interactive things like they do service project they do 
they have to engage in a group like a club or intramurals or something like that where they are in part of a group mm -hmm. and they have to they have to go on a nature hike. Like I say, go to the back 40? Yeah, they have to go to the back 40. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have Peter Mulcourt, who is our forest manager, is going to be taking them on hikes. Nice. Uh, supposedly by January, the forest is going to have signs and all the trails will be mapped. Nice. Without this. Yes, and they have all to. All of this will be without yeah, that. The only thing I'm worried about them not having that is uh -huh. if they get lost, if they go on their own. If they go by themselves and they get lost, then they would need that in order to get direction back. Because there's a thing you can, an app that yeah, I have on yeah. there that tells me which direction is. But I, I do, my preference is they not take yeah. that along. And one of the things I'm going to have do them do is study in nature uh, so oh, many hours. like study some of their yeah. classwork. Yeah, and see oh, if they like learn that. better or if it's distracting. I, w I want them to experiment. Yeah. And... Oh, I like that. Like a We're going to teach them about what lack of sleep does to the brain, yeah. what... Um, I probably will teach them what alcohol does to the brain. And I will teach them about diet and and just all these things th to try to help them prepare for college. This, yes. is, this is a kind of college prep course. Yeah. I'm trying to think of all the things. Breathing. <laughs> yeah, breath. too, along the way. Um, That's beautiful. And I haven't decided yet what, well, I have decided what parts of Adventist heritage I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to do. Anyway, it should be a fun class. Yeah. If I can figure out how to do it. Right. <laughs> the best way. Because, you know, even... Like, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, I wonder how we can impress upon our kids about this this just absorbing nature. Like, and just allowing ourselves to sit with it without, you know, this instant... Or without yeah. worrying about something. Yeah. Like, for that example, too. I have trouble mm -hmm. sitting under a tree mm -hmm. because I've been bit by ticks that have Lyme disease under trees. Mm -hmm. Oak trees especially are bad. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm nervous about sitting under a tree and just bathing because in the forest. I could, I could walk around in it and bathe right. because I'm moving. Right. But I would have a hard time with mm -hmm. that myself. Okay, so that's not the only way of doing it, is, is part of that option, especially with your very real example of what happened, you know? Yeah. And so that's so, not the only way know, of bathing in nature. But, you know, there is one place where I feel safe, and that's Mill Valley. Okay. Because uh, mm -hmm. of the nature of the trees and because of the, where the trail is and you have the meadow. Yeah, um, right. That used to be a lake, I'm pretty sure. Right. There's still water in it when it rains. Yeah. There must be a little spring in the middle. Yeah. And because I went out there early spring after it had rained, mm -hmm. and this and there were some ducks and geese in oh. that little pond that was nice. in the middle. Yeah. It was so beautiful. Yeah. And to me, that's that whole Mill Valley is untouched. Mm -hmm. it, it is uh, kind of the way nature is supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. 
not manicured. Right. And that's kind of like the other, like you said, the forest bathing being one of the things, the other thing like the, the mindfulness stuff is, is kind of that kind of stuff, you know, about being, being you know, here being in the moment. And, and being and feeling and touching and sensing yes, everything you're doing. Right. And allowing. And that's shutting down the frontal lobe. Because what you have to do, in order to do that, you have to use your, all your senses. And right. your frontal lobe yeah. no longer is in this hyper-controlling state. Right, right. I have I've read uh, a large portion of The Teenage Brain by a neurologist mm. who herself had teenagers. Mm-hmm. And as a single mom, <laughs> it was really challenging because they were both boys. And... Um, but she, she goes through everything that affects the teenage brain. Mm-hmm. And then I read The Nature Fix mm-hmm. by, um, I can't think of her first name. Williams is her last name. Um, I've seen the book. I can't remember either. Um, but mm-hmm. to me, that's obeying the law of the Spirit, is yeah. being in nature, yes. being part of nature, as mm-hmm. God intended us. He never intended us to cut down trees and build cities. Right, right. And that's why Genesis is really kind of hard on cities. Mm. Cities are what Cain did. Cities are what Babylon did. Shame on cities. Abraham, come out of cities and be a Mm semi-nomad. He actually didn't want us in settled living, if you can imagine. So it reminds me, have you read Paralandra? No. Sometime you should read Paralander by C.S. Lewis. I just got a couple of the books from him that I want to read. Um, Paralandra is the story of a planet. I think Venus is the planet he chooses that's like Earth but different. And it has this couple who are restricted, who have their own version of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is fixed land. They are to stay off the fixed land. They are not to go to the fixed land. By fixed, it means it stays in one spot? It stays in one spot. Okay. They're to stay on these little islands that float uh-huh. on the surface uh-huh. of the ocean. And so you have to relearn to walk because, or at least, uh, Ransom, who goes to save these people from the fall, uh-huh. has to relearn to walk because of the motion uh-huh. of these little islands. Uh-huh. And if you go into the ocean, you have to go with the waves, Uh and you have to be with the current. You cannot control things. Right. You can read the book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and to me, that symbol of fixed land is really what the Hebrew Bible is all about. And I'm going to start my little trump card. The difference between the Hebrew Bible and Greek thinking is that Greek thinking is built on static, immovable absolutes and um, space. So it is static and spatial. The Hebrew being? Hebrew is dynamic, Uh action-based, and temporal, time. The whole language is built on this. So, even the word to be is not static in Hebrew. It's, are, it's becoming. Becoming. It's becoming. 
And idolatry is the first step that human beings took to static. Of static? Like, literally speaking. Mm-hmm. And also spatial. Go to, go to you this have to, place. You have to go to this place to worship right. this deity who's in your little box. So I think that those kinds of metaphors are what Paul's talking about here. As far as living in the, the spirit. The living in the spirit versus being under the law. It's static. It's, it's, it's not static. Living in the spirit is very dynamic. Mm-hmm. So let's close with that. But it's just getting good. <laughs> <laughs> You would like a two-hour Sabbath school class. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love it. All right, thank let's you. pray. Okay. Dear God, we thank you that you are a God of motion and that you are dynamic and that you are constantly helping us to become, that you are helping us to be in the state of becoming and changing and being transformed by your Spirit. We thank you that You also are about time, not controlling time, not marking time, but living in time. And that you gave us the Sabbath as a way to express that. Help us to live in the Spirit and not in the natural flesh, which makes us try to adhere to the law in our own strength instead of living the life of the Spirit and the law of love, which is descriptive. Bless us and guide us through the Sabbath day. In Jesus' name, amen.